Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark and a returning guest uh, from the Awesome Comics podcast from Never Iron Anything, the podcast and website. He is the co-creator of comics like Cockney Kung Fu, Atomic Hercules, George Mayhem, in fact, all those comics that Frederick Wortham tried to warn you about. Welcome back, Tony Esmond. Hello, man. You're right. I am, Tony. Yes, very well. How are you? Yeah, good. We're over. We, we didn't get banned on our third attempt at kickstartering, so we're all right. Yeah. We're back on the good list, I think. But yes, yep. you, yes, that's right. You're back off the banned list uh, from the video nasties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so right. we're going to talk um, about what you're up to, because you've been very busy during lockdown, but we'll talk about that later. Let's get to a 2000 AD book that we've chosen to talk about today. Yes. Tell us what we're talking about, Tony. So we're talking about Thistlebone, book one, um, story by T.C. Eglinton, uh, cut art and cover by Simon Davis, letters by Annie Parkhouse. It ran from progs 2135 to 2144, 50 pages, 10 parts. There we go. And it's a nice contained hardback collection, Slight, I suppose slightly bigger and weightier than the sort of Christmas annual size, but not, not yeah. far off that Christmas annual feel, is it? Yeah, it's a good shout. And it, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it. But to me, it makes a nice single read, you know? Yeah. Like, I really like this, the way they've done it. So this this sort of, um, like you say, like a hardback, but it's got some stuff in the back. It's got some process stuff in the back as well. And this is from, uh, as you say, you give them the prog numbers. It was 2019. Quick synopsis, Tony. What's Thistlebone about? Okay, so there's a small rural village called Harrowville. Now, I'm slightly confused about this, Eamon, because in... I looked it up on Amazon, and it said that it's in England, but everyone seems to have Scottish accents, so I'm saying Scotland. I don't know. Oh, right. Uh, it would go with The Wicker Man, which was sort of set in Scotland but filmed somewhere in the south of England, I think, wasn't it? Cornwall, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah, anyway, but yes. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a town that it's, it's also has historically been the venue of a cult. Um, it's surrounded by dense forests, and the cult has a god that they worship – it's a religious cult called Thistlebone. Um, the cult is led by Jasper Hillman, and Avril Eason was an intended blood sacrifice, but she escaped as a child. And in her escape, she set fire to the buildings and wanted to burn it all down, which she did do. And this is years later where she returns to the town or to the village with a journalist called Seema Chowdhury. Um, and it sort of things start to get dark again. There's, there's still sort of remnants of what has happened there. And she's on a lot of medication and you you begin to wonder what is hallucination and what is not and various things happen towards the end with a big cliffhanger at the end almost or a twist ending i suppose not a cliffhanger yeah and i will ask you later on about how much of it is you know supernatural or how much of it is just myth and legend and possibly uh, her mental health but um so this you know i've mentioned the ur text the wicker man already this is a sort of folk horror story in the pages of 2000 ad um how does the how does the story and writing work from is he tom eglinton tc eglinton yeah i've 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 written i think is is he he's tc on the cover but i think we met him, didn't we, on a a, a Zoom call? And yes. He's called Thomas. Yeah. yeah. We were calling him Tom. Yeah. So, how about the writing first of all, and the story? How does it? How well does it work as a folk horror tale in a science fiction themed comic? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I I sort of took a bit of a dive into folk horror when you said let's have a look at this, and I actually watched a a movie called The Ritual last night. If oh right, that. yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I think it's good. 
I think from the point of view of it being horror, I've got no problem with it being in 2000 AD. I think that's fine. Um, I think for me, the format doesn't do it any favours because it's it's almost a story that relies on the last few pages to me. Right. And to have it as five pages in, in the prog where you, you know, famously 2000 AD has fitted more story into five pages than the most American comics have in whole runs, you know. Mm. I think it, it's slightly too decompressed for me, which is why I read it as the prog came out, but I enjoyed it more as a collection, I think. Yeah, I think I did as well, actually. It does work well as a nice... It's a fairly quick read, isn't it? But yeah, it works yes. well in the um, the collected edition. And I got much more of an idea of a sense of the story of it, yeah. Does it give you that sort of creeping dread that folk horror films um, normally give you, like the ritual, you know, you know something awful is happening to these characters, but it's coming slowly? Uh, yes, I think so. In I've read it a few times now. I read it when it came out. I read it when it was collected, and I reread it for tonight. And I think it does. I think it's successful in that. Um, it's there's a sort of there's a, there's a sort of stop start thing going on with it sometimes though, where sometimes it's great and you think oh this is really building you know the stuff in the woods and stuff and and then some moments with for example there's it's not human interest but there's some local color isn't there of the kids and stuff yes and. I found that broke it up a little bit for me. But then again, you need that in a story, don't you? You need to focus in on characters and believe them and stuff, I think. Yeah, the kids are quite fun, actually. They, you know, you think it's going to be a bit hoodie horror and Eden Lake, but they're actually quite a laugh. Um, yeah, yeah, and written really well. I yes. love the accents in it, because that's, that's where I wondered if it was Scotland, because they go on about Buckfast and stuff like that, don't they, as well, I think, at one point. The nation's favourite uh, tipple of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my mother's from Scotland, and I walked out of her block of flats once, and there was a broken bottle of Buckfast on the floor at 7 o'clock in the morning. I thought, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it the uh, units per pennies? You know, where can you get the most units of alcohol oh, per penny or something like that? It's Buckfast and White Lightning, I think, something. Oh, all right. No, good to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the podcast information. <laughs> yes, that's right. We are a public information podcast. So, yeah, so that's all quite uh, good stuff, isn't it? The local colour, the local characters. And then there's this sort of creeping, grim stuff going on in the woods around Harrowvale and the idea that they're worshipping thistlebone does thistlebone exist people see weird stuff in the woods don't they yeah and i think that's where i really enjoyed it the most i think is the woods the green um of the woods um, my missus has never read a comic in her life do you know what i mean yeah i think she, she sort of despises them but i was looking at one of the pages and um one of the early pages with with the green of the woods and she went oh what's that you're reading because she's a bit of a painter um and then i added showed her and then that it, it's really gorgeous for that i think Yes, it is, yes, and we'll get to that in just a moment. I, I've sort of, I almost don't want to bring this up because I'm drawing attention to it, but it's got two female leads, and yeah. fortunately that sort of came and happened and nobody really sort of noticed or made any fuss about it, which I thought, you know, here's me drawing attention to it now. But, you know, I thought that was quite positive that we seem to be getting over that stuff of having, you know, having to comment on the female leads. Yeah, I never... Um... I never noticed it. I think, I think I, like, I genuinely think we're past all that, man. Yeah, you know, I really do. I think um, I saw something recently. There was some slightly slightly 
off offside off story but where the, there's a lady from game of thrones i don't know what her proper name is and she's doing a comic because she wants female representation in comics and i'm thinking i think we're doing all right mate do you know what i mean yeah i don't think we really need your celebrity help there i think we're doing okay you know yes and this 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 is a prime example of it you've got two you know female leads you know who, who occupy almost every page don't they they're on, on almost every page they and, are. Um, they're both great yeah yeah uh, I was just, I mean, you know, off topic, but I was reading some reviews of the new Marvel Black Widow movie coming out and oh, yeah. saying that, you know, if you look at how the character was introduced in Iron Man 2, where she was a distinctly sort of sexualized character, and now they're just getting more to, you know, she's just, you know, she's a an action character without all the sort of sexist nonsense that went with her first appearances. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully so. a movie like Atomic Blonde is, you know, is a great action movie. It doesn't matter whether it's a man or woman in the in the lead, and it's convincing and it's good fights and good action, and you know that's it. And the same with this, it's it's a horror series. It could have been a man or a woman in this. Wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't have made any difference to me. Yeah, uh, Atomic Blonde that left me feeling bruised. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. You feel like you've been yeah, beaten up after you watch it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got a good kicking off. Maybe that's the point of it. You know. Yeah. So you mentioned the artwork and how your wife noticed pages because she's a painter as well. So we got to talk about Simon yeah. Davis, um, who is he does this fully sort of painted artwork for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what did you make of his artwork for Thistlebone? First of all. All right. I, I love Simon Davis's artwork, and um, I'd just like to include here the anecdote that I showed you a page showing off online the other day. I sent you a picture. Oh, look, I've got a page. I gave it large, didn't I, to you? And uh, you completely trounced me with a much better double-page spread that you had, which is quite funny. But, <laughs> well, uh, we've both got yeah. <laughs> pages from Simon Davis that we bought from him at Thought Bubble. We worked out it was 2015 Thought Bubble, I think. And Yeah, I reckon it was, yeah. They're both slain pages, um, they were remarkably good value at the time, weren't they? You know, yeah, really good. Mine was sixty quid. Yeah, and I yeah. don't think mine was much more. I mean, mine—I don't know if mine trances yours. It's a, mine is a slightly more crowded page, but um, it's got Arco in it, isn't it? Which is great. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he—I mean, he did slay with Pat Mills, and now he's doing this folk horror uh, series with T.C. Eglinton. And yeah, I think, I think this, I think he's definitely. His newer stuff is the stuff that I prefer. Um, I obviously read his stuff in Sinister Dexter and um, Black Black Cedar. Is that how you call it, Black Cedar? Right. Um, and I, I liked it. I just um, it was just perhaps a little bit much in the the sort of face, full face, shouting at you off the page things. And I think I think he's got it down a bit better now. Um, to be fair, I bought a page because it's nice to have something that's. The, from the vice president of the Royal Society of Portrait Painters, <laughs> you know that's uh, that's his other sort of wing to his, you know, other wing he's got, isn't it? But I, I, I like it. I, I sometimes find he's a little static in his pages, in his panels, and I think from from reading interviews, I sent you one the other day, didn't I? Which we both read. I think it's because he uses models to, you know, in 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 the drawing process. And sometimes I think if you're posing as a model, we're not quite getting that motion that I prefer. Right. It's a personal thing, really. But, yeah, I, I do absolutely adore his art. And, you know, I, I really do. I think as a, as a piece of art, it's just amazing. The, the Slain stuff, the Britannia Chronicles, it just blew my mind. Absolutely really did. I wrote some long essay about it for someone. Um, but this, I find certain pages a little bit stiff. I was, 
sounds like a really horrible thing to say to someone who can paint one million times better than me. I just just find that, you know. Well, as you say, he is the vice president currently of the National Society of uh, Portrait Painters, and I know he's taken he takes time off comics periodically to work on his on his portraiture. And I think he'd had a break between them, you know, the slain and doing Thistlebone. Um, and he's taking another break now, I think. Is he yeah. right? I think he said yeah. that. Was that on the thrill cast to it, Michael um, Mulcher? It might be, and he said it on that Zoom we were on as well. Actually. Oh right, yeah. okay. Um, and yes, yeah, so his faces, his character work, uh, the stuff that he does, you know, in Thistlebone is just gorgeous stuff. Um, yeah. And also the atmospheric forest, you know, the woods and the sort of creatures, and just you know, like things like foxes and dogs in the in the in the scenes, is all very atmospheric. Um, you noticed because you said he sort of bases it on models and people because you'd notice possibly some famous faces uh in the pages of thistlebone yeah yeah um the the one that really stuck out for me is in actually in book two and I, I know we're not talking about it but roger scruton appears in book two he's a i think he's like a philosopher kind of guy and i i, I work in sort of political research and i i couldn't couldn't get my eye off him you know oh you know on those ones but in in this you've got i mean i'm guessing there's the the two central characters are people he knows yeah but the um i think it's boo cook the policeman it looks like it there's a policeman it looks very much like boo cook the 2080 artist um who's also i think didn't he do the art for blunt with tc eglinton so yeah there's a link there Right, yeah, of course he did. Yeah. And I, I, is it Bo, is Boo Cook in the band Forktail with Simon Davis? Oh, could well be. Because okay. uh, they right. they have a sort of folk horror band as well, don't they? I think. Oh, do they? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think Dave Gibbons turns up later on, doesn't he? He looks like he does. Um, really does look like Dave Gibbons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, towards the end, in the sort of the last third of it, staying there with his wife. Um, I mean, it, that's fine. I mean, I think we're used to that in horror films, aren't we? Even in horror movies, everyone's called Sergeant Carpenter or, you know, Mayor Cronenberg or something, aren't they? You know, yeah. so we're kind of used to that horror, really. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – and most people aren't going to know who, what these people look like anyway. You know, it's just us because we're nerds. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't want to get any, I don't want anyone saying, oh, no, he's hating on someone. This is the opposite. I obviously adore his work. I just I – th- I think I tend to sort of fixate on pages rather than the flow of it sometimes, I think. You know, it's the old Steve Dillon quote, isn't it? If you spend time looking at a panel, I'm not doing my job. But none of them are very different artists, and it's a, a very different form in a way. But, yeah, sometimes the flow is stopped by me going, oh, look, that's go- look at that, that's gorgeous, look at that, I know that person, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Can sometimes take you out of it and out of the atmosphere, perhaps. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I'd put something in our notes, and I noticed I misspelled it. I'd put clocks of colour, but blocks of colour on faces. And, uh, you know, if you watch, because we sometimes watch that Sky Portrait Artist of the Year um, television programme. Yeah, we do, yeah. Yeah, and you see people doing what to me seems counterintuitive, doing the human face as different sort of blocks of strange colours. But somehow when you look at the whole thing, it seems to work. And Simon Davis does that, I noticed, in this book. Um, and again, it you know you think well that shouldn't work, but it does. It just seems to pick out character and make them more stand out more from the page to me. Yeah, I mean I'll put it 
the one of the questions I was going to ask you, man, is how do you feel about the lady with the blue face? Well, I was wondering about her. I was wondering why her face is always blue throughout the comic and what it was telling us, yeah. or, you know, what it's trying to tell us about her. Um, we know, you know, that she's been damaged by what happened to her when she... Was she a teenager or a child at the start of the book? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Somewhere between, yeah. yeah. Although, interestingly, I think in their opening sort of flashback sequence, her face isn't shown in blue. But then as an adult, her face is, always seems to be blue. Um, ah, and, it, okay. you know, it puzzled me, actually, as, as the book goes on, as to why she's always depicted that way. But at least it makes... It does give you that sort of visual cue, doesn't it? You know exactly who that person is straight away. Yeah. And you're right, it could well be a sort of depression kind of motif, you know. Yeah, PTSD she's got kind the blues, of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it certainly makes her striking. And it's something that I think he did a lot more of in his early days in 2018 and, and magazine and stuff is there was this real striking throw-in of a colour and you think, oh, you know, that's right. I find that... It's, it's, it is very striking, and it does allow you... I mean, you'd never have a problem telling two people apart in a, a Simon Davis book. It's not like some other books, but the um, it does make for a striking way then. And, and I, I'm not an expert in colour theory, but the colour of it draws your eye, doesn't it? It really does. And there's there's a couple of examples of that in this, where he uses a splash of red or a splash of blue, and it moves your eye as you view the panel, if, yeah. you, if that makes sense. Yeah, which is, is very clever. There's a moment of that in one of the early pages when he, 13 steps to the gallows where the man's walking through the woods and he uses this pair of um, snippers to, and they're, they're, they're sort of rusty red. Um, and then it leads into the two eyes of a creature behind him. And it, that colour that sweeps you through the panels is very clever, I think. You know, and she's the same. Yeah. You know? Okay, so there's that technique. Um, as you say, we're not really covering book two, but later on he does the thing of having flashbacks to a rather yeah. disastrous scout uh, troop out in or camping out in, in the woods around Harrowvale, yeah. where he chose they chose to do a sort of cartoonish look for the flashbacks, um, which I know divided opinion on the forums and Facebook about how well it worked. Right. Um, you know, you've looked, you've looked at. Uh, we've both gone back and looked at book two yeah. in the pages of the prog, which hasn't been collected yet. Did you have any thoughts about that technique yourself? Yeah, I did. And I remember reading it and thought, oh, they're doing this now. I would much rather have his normal art, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but there's there's so many precedents for it. And even in his work, you, if you look at the Britannia Chronicles, he goes back and apes Ballard and Ellie's work, doesn't he, at one point? Yes. So there's there's a sort of change of style in what he does. And we talked about it in a Jeff Lemire book. Is it Essex County? We've, That's we've right. About previously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Where I found it the, interesting. I think it worked better in Essex County. Right. With you. I asked um, uh, our friend Ian Loxham interviewed Jeff Lemire recently and said, "Oh, and, and he, he, Ian messaged me and said, have you got a question? We're not taking questions, but I know you've just, you, you're quite a fan of this book. And my question was, is that done recently or did you actually draw those cartoony pictures as a kid? And, and he'd drawn them as a kid. Um, and he put them in because he says you can't fake that stuff. Yeah. Um, you can't fake that, that this is slightly different in because it's meant to be more of a cartoon you know more of a sort of old school cartoon thing it i didn't find it as interesting whether it worked or not i'm i think the jury's still out with me a bit i think it kind of did i just didn't find it as i didn't enjoy it as much i think right you know if that makes sense the two things 
What about you, men? Well, I, yes. I mean, I thought the one it reminded me of was when Carlos Esquerra used to do it in the Apocalypse War, showing flashbacks, and they would do it just like in pencil line as a sort of, you know, very yeah. sort of faded out appearance. That I must admit, when I've, like, I remember getting them making a mistake and thinking in a reprint that it was some sort of error, but actually, no, it was Carlos yeah, deliberately, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. deliberately doing it. I think it was the bit about dread getting the special bullet so he could shoot himself in the badge, you know, and they showed it later on in flashback. Um, so, yeah, when I saw it, I thought, like yourself, I thought I prefer the painted stuff. I prefer his, you know, fully coloured art rather than the cartoonish stuff. But actually, as it went on, I thought, OK, yeah, I can I can live with this. It's, you know, part of the flashback. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a slightly... The other thing I do as well, I'm from a storytelling... Yeah, from a storytelling point of view, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we've mentioned it's a folk horror tale. Um, it's a horror comic. Now, I'm going to guess that at various points in your career, Tony, you've seen some scary stuff from the darker <laughs> the darker half of humanity. Um, just a thought bubble. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've seen uh, fully grown men in cosplay with prawn sandwiches in their beards. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, that's, a, that's a callback. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen stuff. You've seen things people wouldn't believe you know <laughs> yeah i'd forgotten about that yeah me that caused me to leave an mcm a man standing opposite me dressed as alice in wonderland with then the, the he was quite a hairy pursuit man uh the the dress was too short for him so do you know what i mean there was a yeah. bit of seaweed hanging out and he was he was he was eating a prawn sandwich and i specifically the prawn sandwich i think was part of it and i i had to say to andy clift i said i can't cope anymore andy i'm gonna have to go <laughs> I can't. I can't live with this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've been to the dark side, Heyman. So you've yeah. seen some stuff, yeah. Tony. So here's the question that goes with that: is whether or not horror comics have ever scared you? Have you found, uh, you know, because I we talked about Swamp Thing on your podcast. Have you found comics yeah. that are scary? No, I don't think so. I've I've been thinking a lot about this, and mainly because we've talked about it a lot in the past. And I don't I don't find comics scary some things in comics i find is there a line between disturbing and being scared i think there probably is isn't there yeah some of them are like slightly stomach churning um i was i know you put this in the notes so i was trying to think of one recently that's done it for me and i mean for example hellboy is a horror comic in a way isn't it it's a folk horror comic but it's yes. not frightening is it you know that that line of horror i don't know whether we where we draw it i think it's drawn a lot because of certain tropes i think um the really popular horror book that's come out recently, horror comic, is um, Red Room by Ed Piscor, which is now Fantagraphics' most popular comic ever. Oh, right. Um, because it's sold so well. And that's um, very transgressive. Um, and that's about, um, it's like um, a hostily type thing, you know, murder for the dark web, murder and right. torture for the dark web, broad strokes. And that's, and I'm reading that and thinking, I'd actually feel a bit uncomfortable reading this. You know, it's, it's, it's the one you certainly couldn't leave lying about when when friends popped over and go, oh, you read comics, do you? Oh, my God. Yes. You know, it's like that. Um, there's stuff like Crossed as well. And, and I'm not specifically meaning the really outrageous funny bits of Crossed. I'm meaning the bits. There's there's a moment in Crossed where, for example, where the, the people who are traveling across the country trying to stay alive, they meet some kids and they kill the kids. And the, the thought is it's better that we kill them than the, the savages, you know, the zombie type creatures kill them. And it's bits like that that stick with me, but they don't frighten me. Right. Um, 
What about you, man? What do you think? Well, I was thinking about it because I know when I did uh, talk about Swamp Thing, I found some of Swamp Thing certainly very disturbing and creepy feeling reading it. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, you know, in the prog, we've had Cradle Grave, which we've done on the podcast. That's got a real sort of... Um, that's the hoodie horror sort of that hot summer where all the garbage is piling up on the streets and you can almost smell that comic and it you know that one and when you get the reveal in that comic that really sort of creeped me out um red room i've not come across i know you've talked about on the awesome comics podcast there's a comic called something is killing the children um yeah. there's a couple of comics yeah. that come, well in fact actually there's quite been quite a few horror comics recently started haven't there yeah it's uh, been a bit of a resurgence isn't it yeah it was the one we talked about recently which we 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 weren't as flat we weren't as um something by the lake or the nice house by the, the lake, nice house by the lake which has all the sort of hipster archetypes that we didn't really um <laughs> glom onto but then once you get the reveal at the I end of the first episode it was pretty of- yeah yeah, I don't find it horrific when they get killed. I kind of enjoy it. You know, <laughs> get murdered. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a different medium from movies. I think it is because we control the reading experience in a way. I think I, I have been frightened by a, by a movie I've seen, for example. You know, if yeah, you know, I remember watching the first time I ever watched Texas Chainsaw or something like that. You think it's a frightening movie. Yeah. You know, because you're in it, aren't you? You're absorbed into it. But never buy a comic. I found it strange and abnormal and transgressive and confusing and disconcerting but i've never been frightened by one yeah right i think it's half about it have there been other examples of folk horror in comics that you can think of yeah there have been actually and some from the small press i think sarah gordon does a series of um is it something creatures scary creatures i think it's called and she's she's a really interesting folk horror and she's one of these people like tom who has researched it you know one of, we, we interviewed her and she was talking about she she actually built a cardboard owl and burnt it in some some sort of effigy and used that to make the ink. So there's you know I kind of like that sort of quirky you know hippy dippy stuff that's going on in it. Right. Um, after like comics, Joey Oliveira he makes a career of doing folk horror. I mean all of his books like Wendigo Woods and all that sort of thing are are folk are folk horror. Um, Black Hole I'd even put Black Hole by Charles Burns. Oh right, Charles I'm reading Burns. that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's very. I mean, it's in the woods, isn't it? It's it all, is, yeah. It knows body horror as well, but there's a bit of both, I think, somewhere. Yeah. Um, the um, and even it's different. Any, anyone who's seen the TV series won't realise, but Sweet Tooth is a folk horror. Oh right, yeah. Back to Jeff Lemire again. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a touch of that there somewhere. We're because, talking a lot about Jeff Lemire this morning, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's everywhere, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's coming up on another podcast we'll be doing shortly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you've seen you've seen the ritual recently. Now Ben Wheatley yeah. uh, is does folk yeah. horror, kill list a field in England, and he's got this new film he's made in lockdown called In the Earth. I think it's called. Where yeah, I've seen I that. yeah yeah I noticed I haven't seen it yet, but I noticed that the sort of folk horror. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, folk deity god that they worship in that is called something Feg. And he's he's got a well-known 2000 AD, he's only a 2000 AD fan. So I guess there's a sort of, right. I don't know, there's the same sort of feel to that. Maybe he's taking something from Slain, something from Thistlebone, or, you know, yeah. just the, the idea. Or maybe it's just folk horror's the thing at the moment, I guess. Maybe, yeah. No, I, I enjoy his films. I find them slightly awkward sometimes. 
Kill List is a strange movie, isn't it? And it's oh, very low budget. Yeah. Well, that ends on a moment that's not dissimilar to this in a way, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 no spoilers. Also, the other hilarious thing about Ben Wheatley is everyone sends me pictures of him because they think I look like him, oh, right. <laughs> um, which is hilarious. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. No, I enjoy his stuff. And A Field in England was an interesting trip of a movie, wasn't it? It was, really yes. Good. Very trippy. Yeah. And uh, Kill List, yes. Quite a disturbing ending. Not unlike Thistlebone. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So it brings us back to Thistlebone and the question of whether there's actually anything supernatural happening in it. Is there an entity in the woods of Harrowvale, do you think? It's hard to tell, isn't it? I think there probably has to be. Right. I think everything builds to that point. Uh, it can't just be her hallucinations or whatever it is, you know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I know we meant to know. I suppose we're not, are we? You know. I yeah. know that um, I find it interesting that when they got together to make this book, they actually took a trip together out into the woods, didn't they? Did they? Um, yeah. So I was reading, I was reading an interview and um, Tom said um, he'd, he'd been trying to develop some British folk mythologies and he wasn't really happy with what he's doing, but he became fa- fascinated in how the, the mechanism, that sort of story worked. And they went on a trip into the woods. Imagine those two wandering around in the woods, thinking <laughs> up stories. That's genius. That's fantastic. <laughs> And he described the um, the leader of the group as a mixture between Alistair Crowley and Charles Manson. And I really, I really like the way the leader is written. He's not in this much, is he? But he, no. he has, um, he has a, a sort of an interesting gravitas to him, which I really liked. And they, and they give him some really great lines as well. The, the, um, I've got it written down here. It's, um, God, man and beast is the divine state. And there's all this sort of thing. Uh, reality is created by the stories we tell ourselves. And I, I just really like that that turn of phrase he's got. He's got this sort of unpompous, but you know, you can see why he's in those few moments. You can see why he's meant to be charismatic in in it. But um, when he says Alice, the combination of Alistair Crowley and Charles Manson, of course, one of them believed completely. I don't know about both of them. Maybe both of them did, but one of them certainly believed that he was a magician, didn't he? Yes. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is. That is strange, actually, because he is quite charismatic as the leader of this cult. Um, and you sort of you're listening to his stuff, and he's talking about you know, the way we've poisoned and corrupted our world, and you sort of think, oh yeah, I'm getting sort of, you know. And there's the image of the fox, uh, the one-eyed fox going through all the rubbish and litter. And yeah, you think, yeah. Um, okay, interesting stuff. I wondered if that. Sorry, I wondered if that fox was a little callback to what's the um, the story about the fox um, that came out of the comic a few years ago, the reprint of it. Was it British Comics guys brought it out? Oh, I something don't know. Fox. Is it Marnie the Fox? Or something? Oh yes, no, you're right. Yes, Marnie the Fox, and I've forgotten the name of the artist of that. It's beautiful, and they the Treasury brought yeah. that book out, didn't they? Yes, they That's did. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wondered if that was a little shout to that, a right. little sort of sly wink. Yeah, yes. made me laugh. Yeah. Okay, now um, I'm drifting into guest projects, but one of the things that the Awesome Comics podcast has done during lockdown is had the very successful drink and draws on Zoom where people oh, meet yeah. up and yeah. um, sort of just literally do a bit of sketching and a bit of chatting and a bit of drinking. And you were asked to do one for the law- the virtual lawless convention this year. And, of course, it was a 2080. Was it Drink and Law, you called it, or something? Um, I am... I am the draw. I am the draw. There you go. Do you know what? We had about 84 names for it that we sort of mucked about <laughs> with one, when heavily drunk one night. But, yeah, the, the uh, yeah, they've been really good, actually. We've done them for a year now. It was a year the last one. And um, 
we were talking we we'd had actually previously been talking about doing a proper drink and draw you know where, where everyone gets together in a pub and i kind of like them i'm i'm no artist but so i just come on and ask people to show me what they you know show everyone what they've made if they want to and this sort of thing and um um, we got asked to do the Lawless one, and we had Tom came along and Simon and Boo, actually. All three of them came along, didn't yes. they? Yeah. All, sort of, um, all sort of joined in. I think Simon's a little bit quieter than Tom. Tom was very chatty, um, and so was Boo. And it was, yeah, it was a great night, actually. Really good. Yeah, it was um, quite a busy one, that one, because normally it's just a, you know, in Zoom, you can fit, what, is it 30 people into a screen or something? I never yeah. know, but you usually just have the one screen. But that, I think we were on three screens at one point for that one, which is pretty good. Yeah. I was dropping yeah, in and out of it, but yeah. there was about three screens of people, yes. Um, and that's where Simon said he's on another break from comics at the moment, was it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I asked him what we were talking about, what projects had come out. And I think um, Thistlebone Part 2, um, Book 2, um, the... I won't ruin it, but there's a car crash in the last, is it like episode issue 10 or something like that? Or, you know, the 10th yeah. part of it. And they ju- that had just been released. So we did a bit of talking about that um, and about, you know, because it's slightly out of the ordinary for a folk horror just to have a car crash, you know, make up a whole whole prog's worth of story. And it was, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he was, yeah, they, uh, they, were all, um, they were all drawing at the time. And um, Simon drew a sort of skull thing, which is just incredible. Yeah, you know, to think that he did that in the two hours where we were chatting, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think Tom's a bit of an artist as well, isn't he? I think Tom does. Tom's an artist as well. I'd heard um, that. Yes, he, well. he does do his own some his own stuff, and uh, he yeah. was quite, yeah. as you say, he was quite chatty about Thistlebone and other stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was. Yeah, yeah. and to be fair, I hadn't read enough of his stuff. I really need to go back and read some of the stuff like Outlier and Blunt. I think I'd read Blunt. I think. Um, and he's, he worked with, on, on Judge Dredd with Boo Cook, hadn't he, as well, I think. Yeah. Um, he's worked with Brendan McCarthy as well. I love Brendan's stuff. I really need to dig that out and see what that was. And um, I quite like the outlier story. I think that was – was that Carl Richardson was the artwork on that? Oh, okay. Um, right. I think. And, yeah, I like that. I mean, that's not too dissimilar to a story – or to a character you and I are going to be talking about, Bloodshot. Um, that seemed like yeah. a similar vibe from that. But anyway, okay. So that's yeah. the um, the drink and draw. Let's – Take you back to Thistlebone. What are your standout yeah. moments from book one? Yeah, so I, I don't think anyone can doubt that the, um, the the one big page is the one where um, it's it's funny because my pages are not numbered. I don't know about yours. So no, it's not. Where it is, but it's, it's the big confrontation that happens early in the book where she's towered over by the Thistlebone creature yep. and to the side are like some animals. Um with their eyes, their eyes lit up. And again, I was talking about this recently with a Lobo, believe it or not, a Lobo cover by Bisley actually. And, um, the use of the red in that draws your eye immediately to the eyes of Thistlebone. And he very cunningly keeps the eyes of the, the hair, the, I'm taking that's a cat and the stag behind it as white. So your eyes drawn to the top center third of the page. And underneath she's kind of saying, she's looking up at it saying Thistlebone. Um, it's another example of, um, don't put your um, the the lettering in the middle of the page. Right, I'm always a great believer. Don't you know? Because you can't, but, it, but this works because there's there's a tower to it. You know, she's looking up at this tower, 
and having the words above Thistlebone's head worked completely. And I'm, I think that's that's I mean, undoubtedly is a real standout page for me. And I, I don't know about you, man. Well, I mean, it's the it is the standout page, and I suspect it was going to be your Grail page. Um, luckily, right. you got the page just before it, which is sort of like the build up to it, and uh, yeah. um, sort of you know where she sees like these woodland spirits of the animals before Thistlebone appears. Um, yeah. That's great as well. But yeah, I mean, for a Grail page, and I. Was that was that towards the end of the first episode in the prog? I think they did it double. I think it got ten pages for the first episode or something. Oh, like right, that. Rings a bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that might be towards okay. the end, and that might have been the splash at the end of the first episode. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, what a page. Yeah, and, and the other one, which is the one I mentioned earlier, if you go a few pages on, is Thirteen Steps to the Gallows. Is the the tree, the green tree with the dashes of red in it, and I, I really like that. I think that just just perfection on a page you know full bleed all the way to the edges um none of the trees are you know super super rendered but they absolutely work in just those you know the striking vertical world of the forest you know it's beautiful yeah really good and you mentioned full bleed i mean he's walking along saying the 13 steps lines and he's got the secateurs the bloody red secateurs in his hands and it's going snip snip and it's quite yeah (laughs) yeah that's disturbing Yeah, it's a clever comics, isn't it? It's, yeah, you know, you, yeah, you need to invest in the page to work out, you know, no, no, not in a not in a hidden way, just in a great, great storytelling way with this. And that's the thing with his pages; he lays them out so well. Yeah. Um, and he, the the use of animals is incredible in this with the the masks that he uses, but also those masks become the heads of real characters later on. There's the 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 pregnant woman with the hare's head and stuff later on, and the fox without the eye and yeah just beautiful beautiful stuff yeah really good yeah so i'm going to give you those two What's full a... pages as your grail pages you. then tony Cheers. Um, kind of yes <laughs> very nice and um i will I'd just like mention on a watership down how good would he how yes he be doing watership down or something like that'd be amazing that would yeah. scare us uh, i'm just going to mention the cover to prog 2135 which is also the cover for this hardback um, yep. The two characters, the thistlebone creature in the background, um, a hooded figure at the bottom, the woods, and it looks like the movie poster. Um, yeah, yeah it does. It, it, that, What's the other? No, I was going to say that's just. I think that's just great. That would work for the film poster for me. Yeah, I mean the the the, the elephant in the room is the fact this is a misty story, isn't it? Yes, and that and that's that's a misty cover to me. Yeah, so, yeah. If, if Misty was still running, this is what would be in it. You know, if Pat Mills yeah. had kept Misty going, this would be in it, and we'd have possibly a Shirley Bellwood inspired Misty character in the background yeah. as well. Um, That'd be great. Yeah, great. I, I mean, I like that, Tony. I'd not really thought of it as a Misty story, but that works perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah gorgeous stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad I reread it. I'm, uh, there's a few books I re- reread more than once, you know. And uh, this is like the third, the third one, and I enjoyed it just as much. Yeah. And um, you please write into Eamon if you if you don't agree with my artistic choices around what I thought about the art, but you know, don't write to me. <laughs> <laughs> and don't come up to you at a at a, at a convention in cosplay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and at the back, I think it's worth mentioning is the um, the layout. So he does. I heard Mulcher joke with him about this because he did. Um, he does these very sort of detailed layouts. They're almost like watercolor layouts, aren't they? Yes, he does. Um, he does them in watercolor, so doesn't he? I've, I've seen small press books with less good art than that. You yeah. know what I mean? And then and then he develops it into pencils, and the pencils are amazing. 
you know, is it charcoal? I don't know what he's using there, but you know, the black and white of it. Um, and then from there he goes, God, the page rate can't be good enough. <laughs> he's not, <laughs> he's not getting paid enough for this, is he? It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, if you look at his black and white inks, um, for it at the bottom yeah. of the pages again you know you've said misty you could put those in the pages of misty without the color couldn't you yeah easily yeah yeah, yeah very easily yeah. yeah and it's it's um it's always surprising to me that I, know, I think he only did one american book did he did that justice league book with alan grant didn't yeah he? um and he, i don't think i know he i don't think he's got any kind of inclination to go and work for america but i'm surprised that something that hasn't thrown him a lot of money to it to do a lot of variant covers yes over there you could, i mean I yeah you, i can't see why he's not doing all the covers for american comics yeah um, he's like the, he's like the english alex ross to me you know yeah. better there's yeah. there's there's more more organic feel to his art than an alex the, the cleanliness of an alex ross but yeah no no really really good and um it just makes me want to go back and buy more pages off him but i suspect they may have gone up in price since we lucked out Maybe he'll be at Thought Maybe. Bubble in November if we're all safe oh, in there. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. So you mentioned it's a nice hardback. It is what is it now? Twelve ninety nine only from the uh two thousand E store or your local bookshop uh, or nine ninety nine digital. It, it is yeah. good value actually, yeah. I like this one at all. I've got I quite liked having the hardback. Um Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. You, do you read a lot of your 2018 stuff digitally? The odd thing, don't you? I do, yeah. I mean, I'd still get it digitally, and I still I try and get the um, the collections uh, digitally when I can because it helps, of course, with sneaking parcels into the house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you have that problem, yeah, Tony. comics in my office now. Oh, God, yeah. I think I need a pulley system outside the, the office window around the back of the house. But, yeah. The, yeah, I've got an office that I go to, and it's there's slowly – Falpy pops around and there's slowly a little pile of books grow in there that, you know, I'm going to have to smuggle in. Exactly, you know, at yeah. Some point. How many can you smuggle in at one go? Yeah. Yeah, but the posters, oh, I, I know you've suffered this as well. The, the, when there hasn't been a comic shop, there's been a lot of posts arriving at my house. I yes. feel sorry. I can't look my postman in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that's Thistlebone. Great stuff, Tony. Thank you for that. No, I really enjoyed that, man. What a, good, what a book. Yeah, what it is book. great. We yeah, highly it, recommend it. This comes it. out in a weekly comic. Yeah, it comes out in a weekly comic. What is going on? Yeah. yeah, incredible. Yeah. Now, guest projects, you have been incredibly busy during lockdown because not only are you working, you've been producing all sorts of content. Uh, the Awesome Comics podcast continues, goes from strength to strength weekly, and the drink and draws, as we've said, have been great stuff. You've managed to keep it all going with that, haven't you? Yeah, so I think we're episode – it's six years this weekend, actually. Blimey. Uh, for the um as we record um so yeah, episode 313 is just gone uh, which was a bit of a manic one we had a sort of this crazy canadian guy i'm, I'm rather fond of his stuff and uh, he turned out not to let us down he was very good is that um, was that patrick sparrow is it yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I know you you haven't got an adult warning on your your podcast so i won't repeat any of his comments <laughs> so uh, yeah he's a, he's a good egg and um yeah so we've got um simon myers this weekend um, because he's obviously running the Meanwhile Thought, but the Meanwhile Comic Convention, um, which is kind of the first tester before. Oh yes, we Coventry MCMs and Thought yeah. Bubbles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, so that'd be interesting to hear. And you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked about that. I think, which would be very interesting. Um, and I know Simon's a um, UK comics creator. I don't think he's had much to do with the prog. I think he's done a lot of stuff for Titan and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So no, it's been good. It, and we look forward to it. We always, we've always looked forward to it, but. 
you know, we, we get, we gather an hour before now and actually turn our cameras on for once in our lives and, um, have a chat about the guest and then the guest comes on and yes. Uh, and I think I, I'm sure you've seen it, but numbers have certainly, they went down initially at the start of lockdown because of no one was commuting and thus listening to podcasts, but they've really yeah. shot up recently. We're getting a lot more listeners and we've got a little Slack community on the go now and stuff. Yeah, it's good fun. The yeah, Slack community fun. is great fun yeah. and full of the positivity that you and Vince Hunt and Dan Butcher culture on the, um, the awesome comics podcast about small press comics. Yeah. yeah. Positivity and boobs—they're the there two areas. Go. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, cosplay is allowed. Just don't put it in front of no, Tony. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> you keep saying this. It's not. <laughs> and of course, you've got the Never Iron Anything uh, review website, but you've also got the Never Iron Anything podcast that goes with it that you've been churning out through lockdown. Uh, again, great <laughs> comics talk and great fun. Yeah, it was just a sort of impulse act during lockdown I, I decided to do this podcast you being one of the uh, thank you for coming on being one of the guests and we just talk about comic that's this the basic idea of it you know um not dissimilar to this show really and um i sort of thought oh i'll do that and i was i i'm a pensioner and um i, I wasn't working full time i was working two days a week and i said oh this would be easy and then suddenly my work took me on full time and i'm also doing this and do it you know and it's yeah it's been a lot but it's kept us it's kept us occupied I think you're the same, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's been great fun. Uh, yeah, again, do you think you'll carry it on when we reach, uh, you know, the full unlock? I think so. I might do, um, you know, I love copying you, Eamon, and I, right. I might go bi-weekly. Okay. I think that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's a good format to do. Um, otherwise, I end up, so people come to me and they go, oh, right, yeah. I say, you know, I'd like to come on. And I say, oh, brilliant. Oh, great news. What do you want to do? And they say, should we do Cerebus? And I'm thinking, I haven't got that much time in my life. Right to read the whole of the Cerebus again. But the um, I've just done it to you, haven't I? So I've, I've asked you to read a book that kind of involved you learning about a whole comics universe. So, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, it's fun. And, but I'm, yeah, so that's the plan. Bi-weekly, I think. Might okay. Be the best thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And then let's talk about your own comics, Tony, because um, would it be fair to say they're bringing them all together under the Tribute Press sort of banner and publishing yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Me and Falpy have always been mates, and um, or for a few years. Although you know he's younger than me, and he's a nice. And he said, "Oh, why do you fancy doing a comic together?" And we we did one, and we said, "Well, why don't we just stick this out under a a little publishing house?" So we keep all the stock at an office I run, and you know the the you know the, we we get together once a month and ship everything out and stuff like that. And um, we got the attention of someone called Strangers Strangers Fanzine in the States, which is one of these sort of indie distributors that also does a fanzine. Um, and so we got on their books. So it's been quite nice. So I've seen literally just before we started recording, I saw moaning about, you know, how much it costs to get a comic from America. And it is, it's the opposite is the same, you know, it's an absolute nightmare. So we send them all to them and they distribute for us and it's worked out quite well. And um, yeah, sort of we've, we've had, we have, we have fun doing it. We're never going to be, you're never going to be rich. We just did it for a laugh, really, and it's it's been fun so far. Yeah. So talking about a laugh, there's Atomic Hercules, which is hilarious, but also in your most recent one, you've got a, you did a little article in it about the very weird genre of sort of Nazi sexploitation movies. Um, <laughs> that was my my fake review. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was it was partly because. Um, I see people go on about things and I'm thinking, how is this brilliant? It's utter rubbish. You know, so I write this sort of 
this review saying, you know, oh, this is good and the star of it and all this sort of thing and, you know, don't reckon this. And then right at the end, I, I put a line that says, you can make anything sound good, can't you? <laughs> you know, and um, it was about Isla She-Wolf for the SS, which um, it's, it's a shame there's never been a comic of, although we do homage her in that comic. Um, and it's terrible film, utterly yeah. awful, you know, but I make it sound like it's interesting, which I think is just funny to me. And all these people reading it and going away and, you know, watching this film, which is just will burn your eyeballs, you know. Um, but yeah, that's the idea. We just did it for a laugh. We, to be fair, we needed two pages. <laughs> and he said, write me something. And then he did some illustrations, surprised me with some illustrations. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then tell fun. us about George Mayhem, which has recently concluded. Yeah, so George Mayhem is a project, uh, I won't bore anyone too long, but it's a, it was a um, uh, Daryl Thorpe, buddy, another buddy of mine, artist, he's mostly done sort of children's books, came to me and said, oh, I want to write a story about a cannibal, but I can't push myself enough to do it. <clears throat> I need a writer. It's very nice, very flattering that he came to me, of all people. And um, and so I wrote this thing. And I, I sort of spent some time thinking about it, and it's about a guy who lives in the sewers, and uh, um, he's a kind of sort of vigilante, but he's got a, a, quite a, a dark past. And um, I decided to make it about PTSD. So it's... You know, I don't like to be banged over the head with things. You know, I don't like, you know, but the way that the best example of it always is Star Trek, isn't it? Where, you know, they, they talked about the Vietnam War without actually talking about the Vietnam War. And, mm. you know, and I think that to to talk about these soldiers who are coming home who are suffering from PTSD and the and the government are, are doing nothing for them. You know, not everyone has to be a soldier suffering PTSD. It happens in a lot of other places. And I'm sure there'll be a, a lot of people in your profession who'll be suffering from it as well, you know, yeah. come, you know, come a year's time. And I think it just needed highlighting, really. And um, we put we we're doing like a print version of it to, for everyone who backed it, and we're sending it out. And um, it's got a little advert for for Mind in it. And uh, I know that um, you've done you've recently started raising some money for them as well, which is nice, man. That's very cool of you. Yeah, um, we're, I mean, we're both raising yeah, some money for Mind at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, for um, yeah, good reasons. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I was amazed by George, uh, George Mayhem because it does start out, you know, thinking it's going to be about one thing and then turns out to be a comic about PTSD and the treatment of homeless veterans. And it was, I was quite sort of, it gets very moving towards the end, Tony. Yeah, it does. For a, yeah, for a comic uh, about a cannibal nice. vigilante who lives in the sewers. <laughs> it does, yeah. It looks like some kind of weird death wish. Yeah, but that's very kind of you, man. Yeah, and that was that's how I wanted it to be. There's there's a moment that happens midway, which we were sort of holding our breath to see what people thought about, and then there's a moment at the end um, yeah. that is the redemptive arc, I suppose, in a way. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's it got some nice messages. I mean, we, we're putting it out on Patreon, so there's only we've only got like thirty or people reading it, but you know that's enough for me i don't i don't i don't want the numbers i just want people to enjoy it and we'll we'll print a few i suppose have them at conventions and things you know and so if you go to uh patreon.com slash tribute press you'll find all of this and it's very cheap to subscribe on the monthly i think isn't it is it 149 uh, where it's one pound for one pound 49 to view it digitally and if you want to get a physical copy we're doing a new story in a couple of a couple of weeks, which is around a 1970s comic company based above a strip club and involves Satanists, and that that will come out as a monthly comic. So if you subscribe, you get to read it daily for £2.99, and then we'll send it out as an issue once a month through your door. So that's kind of the plan, yeah. Yeah, we got a bit sick of – we had a long chat about it, about you, you can go on to some of these patrons and – you know, you're paying like a tenner a month and you're not really getting anything. And so we decided to do the opposite, <laughs> like cheapen our, our, our wares. But yeah, £1.49 at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Less than a cup of coffee a month and you get some great and quite moving digital comics in your inbox Thank every you. day. 
Yeah. Great stuff. Although the one at the, com- the the current one isn't particularly moving, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it involves having sex with an old lady. But there you go. Right, we're back to the seduction of the innocents warnings again, then, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so Thanks, I will man. put all the links to your uh, your two podcasts and your review site and the tribute press stuff in the show notes for this episode, um, because you know you're I. I I know there was a thing recently about, you know, the the threat of gatekeepers for comics um, that came up. But, uh, you know, you're the opposite. You're a gate opener for comics, aren't you? You're just like, uh, the more people we can get interested in this stuff. I think that's true unless you write comics about unicorns, and I'm not keen on you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell that story because we're on the the podcast, but you know what I'm talking about. I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although he did send me a book on cosplayers recently, it's very kind of you, which is now back at the Oxfam bookshop. Is it? Oh yes, I walked into an Oxfam bookshop and saw a book about cosplayers, and I thought um, I couldn't find anything to buy in that shop. And you know, you know, you walk in, you think you ought to buy something before you walk out. Yeah. And so that's what I bought, and I sent it to you. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you remember Bernie Clifton used to do that running on the ostrich gag. Um, if I do the Alice in Wonderland riding a unicorn cosplay for oh, Thought Bubble, genius. you're not on yeah. for that then. <laughs> no, no, that'd be amazing. I'd pay good money to see that, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten completely about that story. Well done for that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen Andy Cliff for a while, but he always reminds me of it giggling. Right. So I, can't, I, can't, I can't stay here, Andy. I can see that man seaweed. I've got to go. No good. So, and Thought Bubble, hopefully, yeah, meanwhile in Coventry, then Thought Bubble, um, yeah. will you be tabling for No Brow at all? Yeah, so we're looking, we're in we're in a negotiations with um, MCM at the moment. Right, um, oh, right, okay. To, to table for them. We've tabled at the last couple, which are obviously now a few years ago, and um, that's been fun. Um, Thought Bubble, we'll be at Thought Bubble. Um, probably at True Believers, if it runs earlier next year, we'll be doing that. And on Glem. A few other places, yeah. I mean, I love No Brow. I love their books, but Christ, MCM's something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, uh, but there we see. I did have a – I got in a lift at MCM last time with uh, with John Wagner, and we both just looked at each other like, like Christ. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well. Hopefully I will see you at Thought Bubble, if not at Meanwhile. Um, you know. Yeah, I look forward to it, man. Yeah. 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 And, we've got the, and we've got the Eastern Contingent Meetup as well, I think. We have on the 24th of July in Cambridge at the Hop and Grain Store Pub, uh, about one o'clock-ish. Uh, might be in Forbidden Planet at the Grafton Centre beforehand, possibly. Yeah. Oh, good shout. Yeah, looking forward yeah. to it. And Fox yeah. from Space Spinner 2000, I think, is coming to that one as well. Oh, nice one. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm trying to get Jason Gunn along as well. He, he, he's done he's done a couple of comics for Titan as well. Did Surface Tension and stuff, yeah. Oh, yes, I, I know Surface Tension, yes. Yeah, all right. It's a good book. Yeah. yeah. So, Tony, you've got a full-time job. You're doing two podcasts a week, uh, a review site. You're writing comics. You're tabling for No Bro uh, and still finding time to harass cosplayers. I'm not sure how you fit it all in, mate. <laughs> harass you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's a few postcards got sent to you in false names recently. Yes, friend. that's right. Yeah, yeah we've, we've, uh, you started this, um, false name, but you started it, the false name postcard thing. So, yes, people, yeah, people sending you anonymous pod- podcasts, uh, sorry, anonymous postcards. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, as you say, you are keeping the uh, the post the postman in business at least. He doesn't have to worry about his so, job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I'm I'm off to Goss this afternoon, so oh lovely. I collect my weekly comics. So let's see how that goes. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for giving up your time this Saturday morning to talk about Thistlebone, Tony. It's been great fun as ever. My pleasure, man. Good stuff. Thank you. And check out all of Tony's links in the show notes for this episode. Uh, he is a busy chap and uh, a great power for good in British comics. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the links at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, the 2000 AD forums, all those places that Tony's been banned from. Uh, get in touch by emailing mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And that will do us. Until next time, when we're passing judgment on more great books, it's goodbye from me and... It's goodbye from me. Bye.